Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace and your mercy to us. We uh, praise your name as we gather together. I ask for guidance as I present what I've studied on. As we ask the question so prevalent in this world, who am I? We, we ask you to guide us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This question comes up a lot, okay? So I looked around and I found in First Chronicles, chapter 17, the 16th verse, this. And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hither to? David was asking, as a king, he was asking of God Almighty, why are you doing all this for me? He had a real question, who am I? Now this, this happened as, uh, as God, just recently, as we, if we look in the context and go through it, through the prophet Nathan had let David know that he was not going to build the temple. He was not going to build God's house. King David was pricked in his heart in that he lived in these scrumptious abodes, but God did not have a house. They were still worshiping in the tabernacle. So David really wanted to build a temple for God, but that wasn't God's plan. David was a great warrior. He did God's will for him as he fought and battled and put down the enemies of Israel. But it was not his job to build a temple. He had a different job. And, and uh, David is just amazed that God has blessed his family as he proclaims, Who am I? And we know later that David's son Solomon actually did build the temple. So this question goes back to King David. Who am I? As I work with kids, we, we did a pretty good camp ministry with Cowboy Lee for quite a few years. <clears throat> and now I work on a, at a public school where they are very lenient. <laughs> it's a real small little school, and they allow me to, to exercise my uh, constitutional right to answer questions that the kids ask according to my faith. So I have quite a few really good conversations with kids and uh, this question comes forward in some form or another on a regular basis where kids are struggling who am I and they are bombarded by the media by social media by the public school agenda to question and to, to not know who they are. It, it's, an, it's a romanticized idea to, to question, who am I? You know, everybody's wandering around. Who am I? You know, even back right out of high school when I went to uh, college. Back then they called it junior college. They don't call it that now, but it was. <laughs> and psychology 101. And even in, in the English class, this idea that there are no 
absolutes. We cannot know things. All these ideas of right and wrong and what is proper and improper that I grew up with that my parents taught me and that this church taught me were questioned. And it was great influence to not know and to ask the question, who am I? To understand who am I, to find an answer, maybe it'd be uh, helpful to look at an incident earlier in David's life. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16, 7. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on his height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. This incident is when Samuel is sent by the Lord to Bethlehem. And he's interviewing the sons of Jesse. The Lord told Samuel, among the sons of Jesse, I have chosen a king for Israel. Saul had fallen out of favor. Saul failed and the Lord removed his blessing from Saul. The Lord looketh on the heart. When he looked at Saul's heart, Saul was no longer the king. He anointed a new king. So the, the process went. Samuel was interviewing Jesse's sons. I think there were eight, including David. So the first one came by, and that's where this verse happens. He's a big, strong guy, handsome, a leader, someone that they could look up to and say, there's our king. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. The Lord looketh on the heart. So we have a principle here. We know that it, as it progressed, it went through every son. Every son was refused. It wasn't until... David came. They had to go get him. He was doing his work. They had to bring him in. And he was anointed king as a young man. But we have a principle that we see in this verse. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. I, I see that as the principle that we can carry through all of our lives. It goes all the way through Scripture over and over and over it is demonstrated that the Lord seeth not as man seeth. The proof of how this principle works is that for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That's where we find out, who am I? Sometimes, the question of who am I will be answered with, well, I'm Norman Schnaff's son. I'm the grandson of Carl Schnaff and Harry Henshaw. And we look at our family to define who we are. And oftentimes the training that we receive through the family bodes us well. But that's not really who 
am I? I am not my father. I am not my grandfather. I stand on my, I am. Who am I? Sometimes the question is answered with statements about what I do. Well, I'm the chief cook down at Burger King. Well, I'm a carpenter. I'm an iron worker. I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. I'm a very skilled musician. (laughs) Sometimes we answer the question, who am I with the things that we do? If you can see where we're headed with this, we're listing things that are the outward appearance. Sometimes, now we're getting closer to the heart, huh? Sometimes one will answer the question, who am I? with statements about what kind of a person I am. Well, who am I? Well, I'm not a thief. I don't steal. Who am I? Well, I don't cuss much. Side note, try not to do too many rabbit trails. I overheard a conversation this morning at the back of the church and it reinforced my next note here. <laughs> the hardest, no, let me back up. The easiest habit that I ever obtained was foul language. It's real easy to do that, to fall into that. Real easy. The hardest to escape from Foul language. Don't go there. Close your ears. That's the rabbit trail, sorry. I don't cuss too much. That's how we could answer that. I treat, who am I? I treat others fairly. I'm not a bully. We're still in the realm of outward appearance. Who am I? I'm defined it by what man sees, the outward appearance. But our principle says something different. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. That is a basic principle. If we keep that in our minds, it will help us along life's path for sure. So who am I? That preacher's not going to let me claim my occupation. He's not going to let me claim my social status, my behavior. How else can I answer this question, who am I? Well, maybe if we look at our principle, perhaps we, we can attempt to seeth as the Lord seeth. Proverbs 16.25 There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why did I pull that out? Well, let's go back all the way to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. We have a character named Adam. God created him in innocence and perfect, gave him some jobs, gave him some rules. But at some point, it seemed right unto Adam that he should be the one to decide what is right and what is wrong. What is right for me? Adam willfully decided that it was okay for him to partake of that tree that the Lord had said, do not eat of that tree or you shall surely die. It seemed right unto Adam, but that way was the way of death, wasn't it? We see now for sure. By Adam was introduced into this world sin and death by sin. Adam became the first one able to answer the question, who am I, with the statement, I am a lost sinner. Why is that important to us now? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, a side note that I think is important. There are those who preach that in the end all people will be saved and they could look at this verse and say, see, see, all will be made alive in Christ. But let's dissect this and look at this verse a little bit. In Adam all die. Who has a choice of that? Anyone is born, they are born in Adam, we all inherit this sin that Adam introduced into the world and death by sin. All, so who is the all in Adam? Everybody that's born and comes to an age of accountability. All. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. What does the all refer to here? All the world or all those who are in Christ? All those who are in Christ shall be made alive. I don't want to reinterpret. Just a way that we can understand what it's saying here. We base some of that on what the other scriptures say. At the end when there are people thrown into the lake of fire, where did they come from? If everybody was made alive, it couldn't happen that way. So in Christ shall all be made alive. There's something happens here. We're born in Adam. Everyone can say at some point in their life, who am I? I'm a lost sinner. I'm in Adam. At another point, some could say something else. 
And we'll get to that. We see from God's word, the Lord seeth only two options. The question of who am I? The answer can only be in Adam or in Christ. It's very simple. It's a multiple choice question. You got a 50% chance of getting it right, right? <laughs> only two. It's, it's, I cannot remember the man who taught me this. It was downstairs in a Sunday school class, and he visited here. Was he a missionary? It's possible. He likened this to the digital thing, okay? You know what digital and analog is and a little difference about it? Digital, it's like computer speak, right? Ones and zeros. It's on and off. Doot, doot. It's only one way or the other. It can't be analog. It's like there's a bell chart. And it goes up and down. Remember sitting with the TV with a little adjustment that was on it? And if you got a little bit of signal, you could turn it a little bit and hold your arm just right. And you could make it come in a little better, right? That was analog. It would come up. Oh, get there. Digital, it's either there or it's not. It's on or off. That's the way who am I is. I'm either in Adam or I'm in Christ. There's no in between. There's no getting better. I can almost, I'm a pretty good person. I don't cuss too much. I never stole anything. I certainly never killed anyone. I must be getting pretty close, right, of who am I? I'm being better. It's better than it was last year. Right? No? The Lord seeth not as man seeth. We can see someone and judge by their behavior and say one thing. The Lord looketh on the heart. That's what matters. So how? I have no choice of being an Adam. If I was born, I survive. I'm at age of accountability. I know what I'm doing. I have no choice. I'm in Adam. How, instead of being a zero, can I be a one? How can I be out of Adam and in Christ? Next page. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Wonderful book. We get so much of this absolute beautiful truth of what is really the truth as we look in these letters. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start at verse 12. That we, sh that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted, ye also trusted in Christ. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So how do we get to be in Christ? 
Well, the Apostle Paul is congratulating these folks and praising them because they trusted. They trusted. What did they trust? After ye heard the word of truth. The word of truth, that's what we have right here. After ye heard the word of truth, you trusted the gospel of your salvation. You trusted it. And after that, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. To be in Christ, it's not things that we do with our outward appearance. It's what God's looking at in the heart. That's the heart. It's not talking about this organ that's pumping the blood. It's the seat of where we decide. Way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam trusted and decided that he was the biggest and the best. He could decide what's right or wrong. He abandoned God. This heart that the Lord looketh on, it's where we decide what we believe, what we trust, what we rely on. The gospel of your salvation is simply what we have a shorthand term. Everywhere you go, there's shorthand. There's terms to use Right? We talk about the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no more work to be done. The Lord Jesus Christ, holy, perfect, the only sacrifice qualified to take away the sin of the world, died on that cross. He was buried and he rose again. That's the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The person who trusts in that, who believes in that, their heart is changed. The Lord looketh on the heart, past outward appearance, looketh on the heart. And the great news, when we do that, we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Can't be broken. A seal that cannot be broken. That sealing Holy Spirit, it's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. When you purchase something, who does it belong to? It belongs to you if you go purchase it, right? Here we have a sealing of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the redemption. That's a wonderful day. We just sang about it this morning of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Oh, God is so wonderful. So the, the answer, who am I? Based on the word of truth, I can confidently say who I am, I'm that purchased possession. That's me. I belong to Almighty God, sealed by the Holy Spirit for eternity. It's not dependent on how good I manage to be. It's only dependent upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to His glory.
glory. So who I am, it's not determined by my outward appearance. It's not determined. I can't make it any better. I can't get closer to righteousness. It's either on or it's off. I either am in Adam or in Christ. I get that way when I simply believe on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have bookends in this message. We started in 1 Chronicles 17, 16. We're going to end with 1 Chronicles 17, 20. Lost my bookmark. <laughs> Don't worry, we got time. I'm short today. 1 Chronicles 17, Verse 20, here's David again, kneeling before God Almighty. He says, O Lord, there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. He took the truth that was available to him, and recognize that God Almighty is the only true and living God. And he gave himself to the Lord God Almighty. We today, we have much more available to our ears, don't we? We have the finished work. We have the promises of who I am in Christ. I don't have to wonder, who am I? I'm absolutely confident based on God's holy word of who I am. And that is that I am of that purchased possession, bound for glory, eternal life through Jesus Christ my Lord. Our invitation stands always at this church. Simply believe. Just trust the truth of God's word apart from your works. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again. He is alive today. When we believe on him, we are changed. We are no longer in Adam. We become in Christ. We have the righteousness of God through Christ. He gives us that free gift. We praise his name for that.